thank you everyone for joining me again for the Skybot podcast. Uh, thank you for everyone that listened to our first episode and all the great feedback we received on that. Uh, thank uh, Lori Panky again for joining me. Uh, if you haven't had a chance uh, to check that podcast out, go ahead and do so. Today we are joined by my friend and colleague, uh, Jeremy Glazer. Our guest is Molly Lamb. Molly is a teacher and has started a nonprofit here uh, in town to help school age children um, with an after school program. Uh, we get into some of her thoughts about the education system and kind of where it is now and uh, where we're going in the future. Uh, so I hope you enjoy this conversation with Molly Lamb. Well, we are lucky to have a lady who <laughs> I think is very special because she was my kid's teacher. Uh, Miss Molly Lamb. I don't think I've ever said your first name too many times. Like, I know. It's always beautiful. So I fire for you as Miss Lamb. I, hey, I've you? been called worse, so it's all good. Miss Lamb. So how are you today? I'm great. I'm great. So enjoying summer. So we want to have you on because uh, you're running a great program in town, and wanted to talk to you about that. And because you're one of my kids' favorite teachers. Also, want to talk about the state of education mm. in our country. It's a small topic. See the rapids. But want to get your ideas on it. So, first off, why don't you just tell the folks who you are and kind of give us some of your background? Um, like you said, my name is Molly Lamb. Um, I am a Cedar Rapids native, born and raised, uh, graduate of Washington High School, class of '95. Um, been teaching at McKinley Middle School my entire career. Just finished my 19th year um, and have taught all three grade levels, six, seven, and eight, math, social studies. Um, I have a son, Elijah, who is 13 and will be in seventh grade, the captain, right, <laughs> Captain Worthy. Um, he'll be in seventh grade at McKinley, so that's a unique uh, thing that we have going on with me being a teacher in the same building. Uh, fortunately for him and for myself, I don't get to teach him this year, so uh, that that's worked out pretty well. But I mean, that's what I do. And in, in addition, um, I have started a nonprofit organization. Um, and we're oh, wait, aren't you a coach too? Oh, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> I am. Uh, I, I coach uh, middle school girls swimming and seventh and eighth grade girls track. Um, however, I just resigned from both of those positions <laughs> to focus more on um, getting my nonprofit up off the ground. So, and that leads us to what is your nonprofit? <laughs> um, it is called Egos. It stands for Education Goals, Opportunity, and Sports. Um, and I, along with the gentleman Stan Hughes who is the founder and CEO. And then we have a youth coordinator, Keila Thomas, who is here with me today. Um, we are running an after-school program on Mondays and Wednesdays in partnership with the Helen G. Nassif YMCA in downtown Cedar Rapids. Um, and then we do a summer program on Mondays and Wednesdays from 5 to 8 in partnership with the YMCA downtown. And there's a lot of things to talk about. Right. What is, what is the program? What is okay. Um, with being in education as many years as I have and in the building in which I have chosen to, to work in and that student population, um, 
there is a dire need for a place for students to be able to go um, that is a safe spot in which they can receive uh, one-on-one tutoring, education, just in general people surrounding themselves with people who truly care about them and that can serve as a mentor or um, I don't know what else. But sports is a part of it, but as you see in egos, sports is the last letter. Education is the first. So education is a priority. Um, We in Cedar Rapids School District, the data has been shared with us that, and someone may quote me, but it's roughly eight out of 10 white students are currently on grade level for literacy, six out of 10 Hispanic students, and three out of 10 African American students. And that's a huge issue. And so um, these students need us and they need us beyond the classroom. So that's where egos kind of came from. So it's a great idea. How does it go from an idea concept to where you guys are now? Uh, well, that's a, that's a great question, and that's a loaded question. And Because um, it seems like this is something that should be a no-brainer, should probably already have something in the works like this. Hmm. Um, nothing against you, but I'm sure you're not the first person to see these numbers or these numbers have been around. So what was it about here and now (laughs) that somebody finally said we need to do something? Uh, Well, uh, Stan Hughes, who, like I said, is the CEO of this, uh, moved to the Cedar Rapids area um, just a little less than two years ago. And he had run Egos or uh, something similar to egos in North Carolina and in Louisville, Kentucky. And then he came here to work for Iowa state extension. And then he ended up working at McKinley as a paraeducator. And just through conversation, he knew the importance of the work that you could do, but it was getting the buy-in. And so he turned to me as being someone who's from Cedar Rapids, but also has a, Uh, understanding of nonprofits um, due to whatever education I received at the University of Northern Iowa. But um, it's hard. Cedar Rapids is not about, it's a lot about who you know. It's not what you know. And it's a lot different than a large community like a Charlotte, North Carolina, or Louisville, Kentucky. Um, You have to have patience and you have to start small. And so that was that was a difficult thing for him to grasp, but slowly he's doing that. And so it's a lot of word of mouth. It's a lot of meeting with the right people, meeting with people who are connected to the school district, meeting with people who are connected to the city, who are connected to nonprofits. Um, and it, it's, it is quite the process. So he comes with this idea. He comes to you. How did you guys get it started and kind of what were the goals when you were first starting out? Um, Because this program has the potential to, there's a, I I can see frame it as, there are a lot of kids that need it. uh So how do you even begin to grasp starting a program for something that you know a lot of kids and families need? Right. I, um, well, let's see, let me backtrack. How did I know? Um, I was an at-risk teacher for 10 years, and I built the, those were the best relationships with students that I've ever had to this day. 
Um, and I know the importance of building the relationships and having positive relationships with students and not measuring success basic based off of what college do you go to, um, but just being a successful member of the community in which you live in. Um, and so I knew that there was a need. And with my mother's background, uh, her name is Kathy Lamb, and she was the vice president of operations for Cedar Rapids Metropolitan YMCA for a number of years. And so the relationships that she's had in the community, along with mine, uh, she took Stan and introduced him to the executive director, the CFO, and the CEO of CR Metro YMCA. And um, they liked the message and the direction that we were wanting, and they were looking for someone to partner because they recognized that there's a need as well. So that's kind of where we got our start. Um, they were willing to partner within providing us the space and the time. So, I mean, there's no financial backing whatsoever. Everything that we're doing currently is all on volunteer. Um, but that's how passionate we are and how much we believe in the need for this organization. So how it works, I guess I can explain. The after-school program from 3.30 to 4.15 is academic-based solely. I'm there to help however I can. We're also just providing a quiet space for kids to work. Um, I've had a retired teacher, Marsha Miller, who I worked with for years, who has come in and given of her time. So we're there to answer questions and to help them. Uh, we started off with focusing on the age group of fifth through ninth, but we kind of ended up expanding up into, we had juniors in high school that were coming in. Um, we, we know so fifth through ninth, was there a particular reason why you chose those grades? Yes. Did you feel that was kind of like, yes, a, a I think transition that period that absolutely, I feel like that is, that is the key part of where you can truly grasp a child and you're so, um, I don't know what the word is that I'm looking for, but so influenced at that time and you're so open to new ideas and, um, even with the experience that I have of how middle school works and then we transition them to high school and we lose so many of them um, because we don't transition, <laughs> we, don't tra we don't have a transition from middle school to high school. Um, and if you talk to so many students time and time again, they'll say middle school, they didn't feel middle school prepared them. They didn't have those relationships and the people there like they did in middle school. They don't have that at high school. Um, and that's kind of what our future planning is, kind of our goal, maybe our three- or five-year plan um, would be to connect with the Cedar Rapids School District and serve as, lack of a better term, like as the dean of students where you build relationships with those students in, in the middle school and then carry them and be there with them when they enter their freshman and sophomore year of high school. Um, because I think a lot of them feel completely lost. Like not that we do so much hand holding in the middle level, but we, we, we do, <laughs> we do, right. We do, we do a lot of hand holding and then we kind of just throw you 
to the wolves, you know, so to speak, over at Wash. Not that they don't do everything that they need to do, but high school's different. I mean, it's like that's that's the real deal. You know, there's no buy-in. There's no teeth at the middle level. At high school, there is. And so we recognize, I recognize that there is a major need for that, and that's um, what we had approached the Cedar Rapids School District with um, when they were looking at funding, providing funding to different organizations, and unfortunately we didn't uh, receive any of that funding for this 2019-2020 school year. But we have meetings set up with members of the school district to kind of see, okay, what direction do we need to go to make this happen? Because as I've stated for many years, you know, you can continue to sweep things under the rugs, but eventually that pile is going to get so big you're going to start tripping over it. And I think, unfortunately, that's where we're at. And we have to do something. Because not every student's going to be an AP student. Not every student's going to be, you know, a four-year college student or a Division One athlete or any of that. But that doesn't mean you can't find success in other areas. So... Break down, if you can, each of the four areas and kind of what you're trying to accomplish okay. with the four. Okay. Education um, pretty much speaks for itself. It's That, that to me, is what's key. Um, if you can't read, and I'm not even talking like being fluent and reading at high chapter, not, if you can't read a job application, it's gonna, you're going to struggle. So education has to come first. And with a number of organizations, that's not the pull-in. The pull-in for them is sports, which is great. It gets them there, but it doesn't keep them there, and you're not really seeing any results from that. Um, so with education being the focus, then you go into goals, and the goals would be more about personal goals. You know, maybe what do you want to do this week? What about when you, you know, first semester – what about two years from now? At any type of goal that they want. Um, opportunities, we are looking at, you know, doing once our numbers grow and the word gets out, you know, college visits, going out to Kirkwood. I mean, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now without Kirkwood. Um, you know, I wasn't a fantastic high school student and I had zero desire to further my education. But by having that opportunity to go to Kirkwood and kind of test the waters in different areas, that opened me up to education. Going to a Mount Mercy or a Co. or, you know, you don't have to go to these, to you and I or Iowa or whatever, just letting them kind of get a feel for it. Um, internships, apprenticeships, meeting with people that are welders or plumbers or construction. I mean, those are the jobs that are going to be there and can be very um, financially lucrative for students. And, and, and I'll admit that as an educator, that opinion has changed over my years. At first I was like, you got to go to college to be successful. But now as I've aged and matured, I realized that that's so not true because as, as an educated individual with a master's in educational leadership, and I have an abundance of student loan debt that I am going to be paying back forever. And, we'll that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, I mean, you've got so many different avenues and I just want to, I, I, these kids, you know, they need to see it even in their own community. They're very sheltered and, and, and their opportunities. 
And um, I just want to give them give them those chances and getting people to come in and speak with them, you know, just on careers that they're interested in. I've had a young woman down at the Ego Summer Program who has some mental health issues of her own, and she uh, recognizes that. But through that work, she's kind of gained an interest into psychiatry and how, you know, the mental aspect of people. And she would really like to possibly intern or build some type of a, you know, relationship with someone in that area because she's going to be a junior um, in high school. So, I mean, that's kind of where she's, where she's going. So that would be the time for her to kind of prep to see, you do need to have a college education to go in that direction, but where does she need to go and what does she need to focus on? Um, O is for, or we did opportunities and then S is for sports. Um, sports is obviously a major part of my life and it was growing up. Um, but that's pretty much where Stan Hughes comes into play. Um, he's not known here in the community. He's from the Washington DC area. Um, but he, played a lot of basketball in his day. He played college basketball, but his big thing has really been his decision to give back to the young men for the most part in, in his communities. And he's, um, done a lot of AAU work and he's taken a lot of young men and, um, helped to mentor them into, um, grown men and, um, provided that father figure that a lot of them had been missing and help them go to college or to go professionally, whether it was in the NBA or playing overseas. So, I mean, he's got that. And he started a prep school here in Iowa um, a few years ago called Quakerdale, um, and where he brought young men from all over the country um, here, not to Iowa, but not Cedar Rapids. And, you know, so, I mean, he's got that background, and he, he knows what he's talking about. So that's where the sports comes in, and he works with kids, including my son, on the fundamentals of sports and athletics. It doesn't have to just be basketball, um, whether it's baseball or football or just being being the best athlete that you can be. So that kind of covers those those four main parts. So where is the program right now? Like physically, or where are we at? Like, like it, as you mapped out where you're going, <laughs> where's the program right now? Kind of, what are your some of your next steps that you guys are are looking to achieve? Uh, we are still in. I don't want to say. Okay, I take that back. We are, we are in the planning. We're beyond the planning process. Uh, we partnered with the Y, and last January it was. I kind of want to do a pilot program. I want to just see. Like, I think there's a need. But is there really? And um, even though we're not pulling in 50 to 100 kids once a week or whatever, we're pulling, we were pulling in January till June twice a week on average about 12 to 14 kids. And that was fantastic um, because that's kind of where we want to be. We, we had kids that wanted to be there um, and – that that's what we were looking for. What we would ultimately like to do is build a relationship with the school district and provide those skills within the middle schools and the high schools. 
And that's kind of what our design was for our three-year plan that we did. The RFP, don't ask me what that stands for because I can never remember, but it was our plan that we had to provide the district when we were asking for funding. And it was um, where I did more of the after-school stuff since I would be working. And Stan would be doing the going in and meeting with the, the select group of students in the middle schools and their teachers and building those relationships with the families and the community and then working towards moving them into high school. Um, possible directions that were, that, you know, our partnership with the YMCA is huge. I mean, huge. Um, and we're so eternally grateful to them for that. So that could take us in a different direction where um, eventually our program could be a part of the YMCA, whether it's Cedar Rapids or Marion. Um, and so then we're, we're opening up and pulling for more kids and more school districts. Uh, so right now, I don't want to say we're in the planning because hopefully we're beyond that and we're just starting. It's, it's quite the process and it's very slow, but getting our name out there and, um, kind of letting our work speak for itself. I mean, that's, we, we've seen great success, but we know we may not plaster it all over, but I had a young man who was a student of mine in eighth grade who transferred to WASH. He struggled academically as eighth grade and then was struggling academically as a freshman, but he was also an athlete. Um, and he came to me when we started in January and he was just down and out. And he's like, I'm at a, like a what was he? He was like at a 20 some percent in his algebra class, but it's not because he, it, it's not because he wasn't trying. He was just struggling. And by working one-on-one -on -one with me for close to an hour and a half to two hours on a Monday and a Wednesday, he came in a few weeks later and said, I said, how, do, how are things going? Like, are you, are you feeling better about this? And he's like, yeah. He's like, actually my math grade has jumped 30%. Now, we're not talking like from a C to an A, but I mean 30%. So going from a 20, like as I say, going from like an H, you know, on the grade to almost a D. I mean, that that's what it's all about for me. That's what, it, that's what it's all about. It's just showing them success. And how long did you say your program has been running? How long have you been actually doing it? Um, January. Since January. Janu like January 15th. And do you find... Um, I mean, you obviously see a need for it, but do you find that in Cedar Rapids or this area, the people that you talk with might not be as on board because they don't feel that there's a problem or they don't see there's a problem? Or are you just not at a stage enough where enough people know about it? I, I think it's a combination. <laughs> I think it's it's a combination of of that. And then this may not, I don't, I don't know who else. <laughs> Say it. <laughs> okay. Uh, in this community, yes, you have. Um, it's definitely opened my eyes to things that I necessarily didn't want to see. Uh, you've got people that are like, my kids are good, so I'm good. Yeah, you that's kind of what I... I'm sorry, I'm sorry that that kid way over there is struggling, but in my little bubble, we're good. Yeah. Um, and that's like, they'll say, I think it's great. I think it's great what you're doing. Um, but, 
I'm not going to help you because yeah. it's it doesn't directly affect me. Um, and I don't want to say that there's a certain type of person that that falls into, um, but <laughs> but the, the a certain the, demographic. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's the thing. The beauty of McKinley that I've always said is that just and I'm only going off of one school because that's what I know. We pull from all spectrums. I mean, we've got living seriously impoverished. I don't know where my my next meal's coming from. To I've got more money than I even know what to do with, and. And it's funny you mention that because when we first moved here many, many years ago, people were like, stay away from the southeast side, yep. stay away from the southeast <laughs> side. I love the southeast side. Um, and then they were saying how, well, what school are they going to go? It always seemed, the two questions always seemed to follow yep. each other. Where do you live? What school are they going to mm -hmm. go to? Mm -hmm. Southeast side. So right there we were. Yeah. <laughs> and then McKinley. Right. And people are like, oh my God, you can't let your kids go to McKinley. Then you'd go one person over, McKinley's the greatest yep. school ever. Yeah. And I remember um, a coworker of my wife said, if it hadn't been for McKinley, I would have never met a demographic of people in my life. I would have never known they existed mm -hmm. because they weren't in my daily life. But because I went to McKinley, I made a whole spectrum of people. Mm -hmm. So when people say, oh, about McKinley, mm -hmm. I think that's... That's what I think. You're going to meet everybody. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a beautiful thing to see. It is. I mean, and... and, and and to to go back to that is that's the beauty of McKinley. You know, we all have our flaws. Every building has its flaws. I don't care what neighborhood you're in. But the beauty of McKinley is not only the people that attend and the people that work there, but the, the location of the building. You are you are within a community, but you right across the street have the medquarter. I mean, you're you're the closest thing to downtown. You have so many avenues and options and relationships that you can build. Uh, but McKinley is not, I don't, I don't know if I say ever, but it's very difficult for it to ever outgrow that stereotype of being the neighborhood school where all the black kids go. And I can say as a, I was a Franklin Bolt, I was born and raised on the Southeast side. Um, I, I remember feeling that same way about McKinley, but not in a negative by any means. I just, I thought it was awesome, you know, but it, that was always our sport rivalry and so on. So then when I had the opportunity to have a son who was biracial, black in the eyes of the community, attend McKinley, I was all about it. He may not, you know, get the best top notch academic, whatever, but there's so much more to education than than just that because that's where i accept some responsibility on my own and what i need to do at home there are things that happen at mckinley that he learns that i would never be able to provide on my own um, and so that's why i keep him there um so i'll, so I'll ask another little um, question um, you a lot of trouble. Oh, you know fantastic i'll just blame you <laughs> if egos and I'm not going to name school districts or schools. If Eagles was at another school, would it have more backing? In your opinion. If he was in a different district? If it was in a different district, would a program like Eagles, <sighs> would people have no problem getting behind it? If it wasn't associated with the school, like it is McKinley, do you think, on the basis of what the program is, what it does, and what it provides, 
do you think it would be further along and have more community support and all those things? Rod's asking the tough questions today. <laughs> in in my personal opinion, yes. Captain, if you want to answer, <laughs> no, he's good. He's good. Um, yes, I I think, and that's that's kind of where I think that I stand out differently. I stand out from others because when you look at me, you see a white woman, middle-aged white woman, which is crazy. I just referred to myself as (laughs) middle-aged. Oh my God. Um, But once you get to know me and, and you see the relationships that I have, that kind of all goes out the window. And so that's what I love about McKinley. And I think that's part of the reason that a major part of the reason that I've stayed because I, I have had opportunities to go other places and I have chosen to stay right where I'm at. And sometimes I'm like, why did I do that? Because it's so stressful and it's so, um, it's so hard when you feel like you give so much of yourself and you can see the potential in these kids and they just don't see it. So, I kind of, I guess I, I look at it as though they're the underdogs in the community, you know, and I, like I said before, it's, it's a, it's a neighborhood school, uh, Wellington Heights in the Southeast side, that area don't always get the best press. And so what comes along with that is, is the families that choose to live in that area. Um, and so maybe the fact that the students that we largely pull from are McKinley, would possibly play a major role. And maybe if it was out, I don't know, on the Northeast side, Northwest side, it might get different. Or if it was in the Marion area, I don't know. Um, but I think that that's what, that's one of the great things about it. And I mean, and even walking into the Y when you, you know, those, those everyday members that walk into the Y and they see this room filled with middle schoolers that don't necessarily look like them, but they're sitting there with their algebra books wide open and their chemistry and their Spanish and their Japanese and they're, they're doing their thing. I think that that's helpful because you're providing, you're, you're providing them kind of a, a, like you, you said earlier, an outlook where they may not have ever interacted with that or seen that themselves. I don't know if I really answered your question. You know, you <laughs> he did. Question. Yeah. You gave sort of an answer, so I'll give you credit for that. I knew it was going to be a tough I'm tr- one. I, I mean, I guess, but honestly, I haven't thought about it because I never thought about doing egos anywhere else other than where I'm doing it. I think that that's, it all worked itself out, I mean, remarkably well. I mean, I, I think it would. I think it'd be a, <laughs> a lot different backing if it was somewhere else. It might have some more flash and pizzazz and everything, but I think, like you said, I think some maybe the community has a um, a part of that. So for right now, we're going to slide away from this a little bit. Now I'm really going to get you fired up. Um, what's wrong with education and how do we fix it? Wow, that's 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 not a heavy loaded <laughs> question at all. But seriously, what is wrong with education? I mean. Like I, I, I said something earlier, I think before we went on, and I said that it seems like everybody giving an opinion about education is not involved in education. <laughs> so, how, how do we how do we change that? Mm. 
when I look at this school year just in general, and I, I when I started in 2000, uh, the students that I worked with were tough. Um, and that was just a seventh grade social studies class. But they were different than they are now, 20 years later. And people always say, like, I've heard colleagues and other educators say they keep getting worse. And I don't know that the students are getting worse. I don't, they're still the same. But the outside forces have definitely changed. What do you mean um, by outside forces? Um, I'm going to say families and how they, what their perception of education is. Um, this year was probably my toughest year when it came to parental involvement and um, parents wanting to place blame on anything and everything other than their own child. Um, it, it has really gone from you know, asking your child what what have they what are they doing? How what's their role in this? To what the teacher do? What the teacher do wrong? Um, and we're not working together. Uh, so that that's been that's been a tough one for me. Um, and I've gotten it from both ends of the spectrum. Um, unfortunately, you know, those more affluent. Um, I have really kind of, they made my year tough. Um, I don't know if it's a sensitivity issue. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I think that we as educators and as an educational system have gotten um, pretty lax. Like we were just talking earlier today, I think over at lunch, that like giving homework, you know, and people want to say, well, research says that, Homework doesn't benefit the student at all. And, you know, and then you get parents that come in for conferences. They're like, why isn't my child bringing home a textbook? I remember when I was their age, I was constantly doing this and this and this and this. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know what's wrong with the educational system, um, but I think that we don't have as much financial support as we need. We don't have the right types of people in buildings and the right services available. Mental health is a definite, definite crisis area right now for students. And we just do not have the funds or the bodies or the programs to provide. Um, I just wish that parents took a more hands-on approach, but more about building a relationship with the schools rather than pointing fingers. Um, because these are not only your biological children, they're our children as well. Um, and we spend an enormous amount of time with them on a weekly basis. Kids just in general don't care. They're okay with being doing the bare minimum. I mean, I it's it's amazing to me. Students don't even come to class with anything. It's just like they're physically there, so we're just supposed to provide everything for them. Um, you know, I probably handed out over a thousand pencils this year. I don't know where they all went, uh, but they went somewhere. I mean, it's just there's no accountability. Um, I'm sure some of my colleagues would say, and I at times would say, there's no respect 
given um, to their teachers and to adults in general. Um, but we also, it, to me personally, the, the major thing from my experience would be there has to be accountability and consequences, and we just don't have that at the building level or at the parent level because parenting is not fun all the time, you know. And um, I don't, I don't know. That's a that's a really uh, well, low. The battery's flashing. Big so question. Do you promise to come back again? We can talk. More oh my about gosh, I'll come back whenever. So if folks want to get involved and need to get involved and should get involved with egos, how can they? Uh, they can contact me um, at my email address is molly.lamb it's all lowercase at outlook.com it's m-o-l-l-y dot l-a-m-b at outlook.com they can contact the Helen G. of YMCA they can even stop in there's brochures and flyers available